Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We started a series called Unshakable, and I'm going I'm to change it up a little bit tonight. And uh, let's pray before we do that, and we'll jump in. Father, we want to thank you for those who are here, for those who are watching online, for those who are taking the time to honor you and to honor your word. I thank you for them. I thank you for their lives. I thank you that you know exactly what's going on with every one of them. And you care and you have answers. And so, Father, we thank you tonight. As we open your word, that we thank you for wisdom. I ask you that you would give me words, utterance, that I could speak clearly and accurately with confidence as your word deserves. And Father, that our hearts are open, open to hear, open to learn, open to change, open to renew our minds. We thank you for that. And we believe that good things are happening tonight and we've not wasted time. In Jesus' name, amen. First Thessalonians, the third chapter, verses two and three, this has been our text. Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica. He said, and we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. We talked about the fact that your faith is important because in the middle of difficult times, your faith can enable you that even though times are difficult, you don't get shaken. I was thinking about, Joy and I were talking about this the other day. You know, it, in life, it's not that, that probably you reach a point where problems go away. I wish I could tell you that, hey, once you reach your 60s, all your problems will go away. All your children leave the house, but that still doesn't solve everything. You know that, don't you? It, all the problems don't go away. And if you're waiting for that day when all the problems do go away, you're going to be very disappointed. So it's not that we have problems in life, it's that we get stronger to be able to handle the problems that come our way. Does that make sense? Amen. And so if you're thinking, man, I, I'm gonna keep serving God and one of these days all my problems are gonna be go. Well, actually that's true, but you're gonna have to die to get to that place. <laughs> and I'm not ready to go yet. We still got some work to do down here. And we still got some time, we still got people to reach. And by the way, when I'm talking about people to reach, for those of you who are part of this church, let's make sure we pray for Christmas. Because Christmas is a wonderful opportunity for us. It's a big outreach for us. And it's a one, people come to church on Christmas who only come maybe Easter. We call them CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> but a lot of people who started off as CEOs wound up being church members and a part of church. And so let's believe God this time that God can really touch hearts at Christmas. And it's more than just a, a, a production. Because we'll, it'll be a wonderful production. I've heard some of the music. It's going to be great. And, uh, but I always have a chance. It'll take about 20 minutes or at least I get to share the gospel. And we started doing something last year. We used to share the gospel and not do the prayer. We do the prayer. And so people can bow their heads and receive Jesus in their hearts. And that is the most important thing. Amen. So pray with us. Will you do that? Will you start praying now? And let's pray for Easter, that Christmas. Easter too, but Christmas. <laughs> The Christmas is good. So as we're talking about these things, Paul is talking about his faith and he's saying that as your faith grows, he said you're not going to be shaken by the afflictions. 
Uh, they're going to come, but your, your ability to handle them is, is going to be better. I want to talk tonight about two important things about your faith, two key things about your faith. Here's the first one. Do you have a scriptural basis for what you believe? Now, this, you know, some of you who've been around for a while, you think, well, come on, Alan, that's so elementary. It may be elementary to you, but there's a lot of people who are coming in. They don't know. And so one of the things that if you're going to have biblical faith, you have to have a biblical basis for your faith. And oftentimes you'll hear people say things, and their, their, their faith is based on tradition or it's based on opinion. You've heard people say, well, I think. And Lord knows we've got enough opinions out there now. If you haven't, just go look on YouTube or social media, and there's a gazillion opinions. You say, well, who's right? That's why I really want to encourage you. Reading the Bible now, I think, is more important than it's ever been because it's truth, and it'll help you sift through some of the junk that's out there. And it'll, it, you just can get a witness in your own heart about what's true and what's not true. But you need a biblical basis for what you believe. What are the scriptures? So you say, yeah, I'm, I'm praying about this. I am praying that, that God would kill my, my husband. I'm just praying that he would, he would, he would kill. I mean, I, I don't want to divorce him. I want him dead. I want him. I want him. <laughs> I, you, you do know there's no scripture for that. I, if that was a revelation to you, I'm glad you came tonight. I really am. But, but the idea is, is you, you need a scriptural basis. You've heard people pray things like this. Lord, they're praying for the lost. Lord, break them down. Do not pray that way for me. Break them down and, um, and humble them, Lord. Break them down. God's not going to break them down and humble. You, you don't have a scriptural basis for that. Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. He didn't say break people down. Some people get broken down, and instead of turning to God, they get madder at God. And so the breakdown concept doesn't necessarily work. Lord, send laborers across their path. That's scriptural. So you, you want to go, what is the scriptural basis for what I believe? You know, I was, I was thinking, and, and you, want, you want to get preferably more than one. Look at this. Paul said this, and this is, this is a good thing. In 1 Corinthians, he said, this will be the third time I'm coming to you. He said, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Two or three witnesses, you can take this and apply this over to Scripture. You want a couple of Scriptures or a, or a scriptural precedent for what you're believing. And I'll give you an example. Some of you did not grow up um, in church. Some of you grew up, well, we have all, man, we got all kinds who've come here from all different backgrounds. Uh, one of the interesting backgrounds is people who've come out of a Pentecostal background. And uh, especially if they came out of something like a UPC or something. Any UPC in here? They, um, they got big on, on this verse. It's in 1 first, first Peter 3. It's not on your screen. And he's talking about women. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on apparel. But rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So you've got whole, whole groups. And if you're a UPC, I'm not, I'm not down you, but what I'm saying is they've made a whole doctrine out of what women should wear. That women, some of you look at me like, seriously? Yeah, I'm serious. Like, you can't wear gold or jewelry. 
Uh, you can't wear makeup. <laughs> I'm just going to keep preaching, looking, looking right at the camera and smiling. It's just, uh, but, if, if you, but you don't have a scriptural precedent for that. And so you, you don't have anywhere else. Because actually, if you carry this whole verse out, it says the wearing of apparel. which would be clothes. No jewelry, no makeup, no clothes. That's one way to attract them to church. That will, that will. But, but you say, I was like, you need, you, you need some different, and, and if you come from UPC, if you're watching and you're saying, I'm, I'm not against you. What I'm saying is, sometimes people get hooked on this and they're thinking, well, this is, this is the biblical basis for faith. If I wear the certain clothes, if I go to a certain place, if I don't go to a certain place, that, that, that puts me in right standing with God. Your right standing with God is not based on what you wear. Your right standing with God is based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that becomes, he becomes our righteousness. That's, that's where it is. Not what you wear or don't wear. And we, you know, sometimes as believers, we can be real hard. People, people come in sometimes. I, I used to watch them when we did the singles. And I remember we had ladies that came in and they weren't dressed the way the church people thought they should be dressed. People thought I was not dressed appropriately. When I first came back to the Lord, I'm 22. I'm a Wrangler jean salesman. They said, wear them tight. And I did. You're t- <laughs> when you're 22, you don't have a problem called body fat. It just didn't exist back in that time for me. So I wore my jeans tight. I had a guy take me to task about it, just raking me over the coals. I'm a new believer. He's raking me over the coals because my jeans were too tight. Do you think the Lord really cares that my jeans were too tight? I'll answer that for you. No, he doesn't care. <laughs> but what he does care about is, is that a young believer doesn't get offended and move away. Scriptural basis. Now, I want to give you a good example of this. You ever heard anybody say this? God will help me with the big things, but the small things in life, you know, I'll take care of those. God will help me with the big things. God will help you with the big things. Heaven helps those who... That's not a scripture. But God will help me with the big things, small things, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of. Or God wants me to take care of... You realize there's no basis for that. You say, well, I need help with the small things, but God won't help me with the small things. Actually, he will. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Is our scriptural basis for what we believe. Let's look at this, uh, this verse here. This is a, a passage. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples, Jesus' disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that we may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes, say to the master of that house, The teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said, and they prepared the Passover. I want you to stop and think about that just for a second. It's easy to read past that. But do you realize they basically said, Jesus, where do you want us to have dinner? Passover was a a feast. Where do you want us to have dinner? How many know that's not really a a, a big thing? That's a small thing. Lord, where do you want us to have dinner? 
Jesus did not look at them and go, figure it out. Come on, guys. God gave you a brain. Here's your brain. He didn't, you know, she didn't say that. They asked him, and he answered. And not only did he answer, he told them where to go, who to find, and what to say. Now, these are not, this is not, not earth-shattering stuff. This is small stuff. What I'm saying is, people say, well, God won't help you with the, 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 he'll only help you with the big things. He won't help you with the small things. He'll help you with, with anything you ask him to help you with. He'd say, well, well, you know, Alan, that's not enough. You said in the mouth of two or three witnesses. You're right. So let me give you another one. Here's the next verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in, what's that verse? Everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. There's sometimes this thought that gets in our minds like, oh, God's not interested in that. He won't help us with that. But yet he doesn't want us anxious about anything. I, I, was, um, I had to do some traveling uh, recently. I'm not the, I'm, I don't have grace to travel a lot. I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home guy. I like to stay at home. Traveling on an airplane now is not the highest thing on my list. It really is. And I remember I'm getting ready to go to the, to, the, to the airport. We were leaving actually North Carolina, going to the Charlotte airport. We'd gone through traffic. We'd gone through uh, all, all kinds of lines. And I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, would you help me with this? Would you just help me with this? This is, guys, this is not earth shattering. This is not dealing with a disease or, or dealing with a huge need. This is just a small thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that bothered me. And you know, the Lord just helped us. And we got in and we got through and we had good ticket agents and we got through. And the Lord will help you. Be anxious about nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. You say, well, the Lord doesn't want to be bothered. Do you really think that the God who created the universe, the galaxies, billions of stars, and he knows every one of them by name is going to be bothered by your request? Or he's too busy? There's not like a heavenly switchboard up there <laughs> where you got God sitting there with old-fashioned headphones on and prayers are coming in from all over the, the world. And it's like, hold, please. I'll get back to you. Hold, please. Can you hold? I got something coming from Israel. Hold, please. Can you hold, please? No. You know we got a bigger God than that. And he can hear you pray about big things, about getting through an airport about finding a parking place at the mall. Thank God for online. We don't have to go there anymore. But anyway, you can, you, can, you can pray about not just big things, but little things. Say, well, I'm not convinced. Well, here's another one. You ready? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. What are we doing? Giving you a basis for faith. You got to have scriptures to have scriptural faith. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Isn't it good that God will direct the paths that we acknowledge him in? You say, well, if I never acknowledge him, he won't direct. That wasn't a trick question. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. 
in, did it say only in big things? In everything by prayer and supplication. Be anxious for nothing. Do you see what, you see what I'm saying? So what happens is sometimes we get this idea, someone said this. This is a tradition. You heard your aunt say this, and she's a good Christian woman. She may be. That's fine. But I need, I need scripture for based on what I need to, to pray for. Now, here's, here's my last one. Jordan and I were talking about this, and I said, I said, darling, I said, we're going to have to believe God in this area. And she said, I, I don't. She said, I don't really have a scripture. I don't know how to believe God. I said, how about this one right here? Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, can we boldly say this? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. No, he's only my helper in big things. It doesn't say that. It says, the Lord is my helper. And we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He helps me with little things. He helps me with big things. I need his help. He is my helper. Did you see what you're saying? So what did I just do? I just gave you a basis for scripturally saying, Lord, I need help with this thing. And don't think you're going to bother him. True? Amen. You're not bothered. We need to get this idea that we're going to bother the Lord. He's big. If you're reading the Revelation right now, Man, that guy, he's got angels and winged creatures all around the throne. They got eyes all around them. And they're, they're shouting, holy, 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 and smoke fills the temple, and there's elders falling down. It's a wild place. He's not going to be bothered with your small prayer request. Be anxious for nothing. Does that make sense? Two things we have to know about faith. Here's the first one. You have to have scriptures. So if you're dealing with something right now, Here's the thing. Begin to examine, and this is where we study, and this is where we, this is where we look, and we spend some time, and we begin to read the Scriptures and begin to find a basis for what we believe. You need Scriptures. Pastor that, or minister I used to listen to said he would come down and people would ask for prayer, and uh, he would say, what do, you, what do you want me to pray with you about? They would say, do I have to tell you? He would say, yes. He said, because I'm not going to pray with you unless you do. I know some of you grew up with the unspoken prayer request. I can't agree with you on an unspoken prayer request. You might be praying to kill your husband. I can't agree with you on that. <laughs> he said, he said, he would ask them, what are you praying about? And they would say, they would tell him this. He said, he would ask the next question. He said, what scriptures are you standing on? Do you, do you understand that terminology? What scriptures are you basing your faith on? And he said, eight times out of 10, they would say nothing in particular. <laughs> He was pretty blunt. He'd tell them, and that's exactly what you're going to receive. Nothing in particular. You need a scriptural basis for your faith. That's number one. Number two, you need a better image of your heavenly father. A better image of your heavenly father. Oftentimes, and, and I could tell I touched on it tonight, people have, have kind of grown up with that, I don't want to bother God, or I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to ask anything too big of God. I, I think it's good to ask small. And if, if you start getting confidence that he can handle the small things, it'll help you when the big one comes over the fence. But the idea is, is we need an image of God who's good. A big God who's good. Our image of God, I, I can tell you this, is directly impacted by your image of your father. 
if you had an absent father, didn't have a father, had an abusive father, if you had a good father, it, it has impacted you. I had a good father. He, uh, he grew up in the Depression. He grew up um, going hungry at times. And so he was the, he was the kind of man that, that uh, he didn't dole out money. He's in heaven now, so I, can, I have complete freedom to tell him all these things. And we'll, we'll hash it out when I get there. He didn't dole out money. He didn't, he didn't give money. If I wanted money for him, I never asked him just, hey, Dad, could you give me a 20? My dad didn't give 20s. You earned money. And I appreciate that. He taught me how to work. But he also taught me that you can't ask for things. Remember one time I was getting ready to go on a date. My dad, my dad and mom were sitting out. It was a Saturday evening. He said, where are you going? I said, going, who are you taking? I told him a girl I was taking now. My dad reached in his pocket, pulled out a, pulled out a, a, I think it was a $10 bill and gave it to me. I should have kept it. I'm like, <laughs> he never did that. So can you understand then why it was harder for me to go to my heavenly father and ask him for something that I did not earn? Does that make sense? Our image. Maybe you had someone who was critical of you. Someone who's, oh, I'm going to tell you something. Fathers, oh, hear me on this. Our role is so important. I know, I know that our society is marginalizing it more and more and more. It is so key. It is so important. And it, is, it sends your children such a picture of God. Thank God for, for godly fathers. Thank God for fathers who encourage and lift up. Thank God for you. Because your impact is huge. We need scriptural basis, and we need an, an image of God that's good. Um, Sarah had an image of God that helped her, helped her faith. Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged God faithful, and so she bore a child when she was 90. But she, anybody might want to go a second go around? <laughs> Me neither. Um, but she judged God faithful. How do you judge him? She believed he could keep his promises. She believed he would keep his promises. That's judging him faithful. What if you judge him harsh? Jesus told a parable one time about, uh, about the master who gave his servants talents. One five, one three, one one. And the one talent guy, remember he took, his, he took his talent and he buried it. This is Matthew 25. He took it and he buried it. And when the master came, he came to the guy with five talents. The guy with five talents took his five talents. And by the way, the five talents is in, in today's money is way up over a million dollars. He took it and it's not like five bucks. The talent was a lot. And he took it and he doubled it. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Same thing to the, to the guy who did, was it three or two? Three? Okay, three. He doubled his. Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't compare him to the other guy. He just said, well done. Then he came to the guy with the one. And this is what the one guy said. The one who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. I'm going to spare, spare you the rest of the story, but the master was not happy. But why did he do it? 
He said, I knew you to be a hard man. You're hard. Some translations read harsh. You're harsh. And you, you, you gather where you didn't plant. Basically, you're harsh and you're a thief. He accused him of reaping where he didn't sow. That's, that's stealing. He said, that's how I knew you. His image of the master was wrong, and because it was wrong, it crippled his faith. If your image of God is that he's hard, and he's mean, and he's just waiting for you to make another mistake, and he's fed up with you and disgusted, and you go before the throne, and he sees you, and his eyes roll. And even though I'm being humorous, it's not funny. Because way too many people see their Heavenly Father that way. But He's harsh. People accuse God of doing things I'm amazed of. And yet, yet Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Heavenly Father give good things to those to ask you? We need an image of God that He's really good. I got a letter from a guy when we put that billboard up. Have, I think we got a Christmas one going up now. We got a billboard up and it said, God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. Oh, he wrote me a letter. He was not happy. He's a theology student. That was my first red flag. <laughs> he was upset because we, we, we put on that billboard that God's not mad. He wanted to tell me how God was mad and he was angry. And I wrote him back and I tried to be real kind and gracious. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to write you anymore. We're, we're done on this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with my theology. He's good. I love him. And he loves people. And we want to reach lost people. And aren't, that's what we're supposed to be doing. He wrote back another long letter that I did not read. But uh, he, want, he serves a mad God, a hard God. So what kind of God should I serve? I've asked people in this last, um, last part of November, first part of December, I've encouraged people, if you read my devotions, I've encouraged people to begin to say the Lord's Prayer. I mean, not the Lord's Prayer, I'm sorry, 23rd Psalm. And the 23rd Psalm is more than just a beautiful poem. It's an image of God. And when you begin to say, God's Word has the ability to begin to change things on the inside of you. Maybe your father was harsh. Maybe he abused you. Maybe you were not the favorite. Maybe he did not love you like you should have been loved. That, that's, that's, that's all over the place. But it does not mean that God is the same way. And so what happens is we need to begin to change the image of what we have of God. And when you begin to change the image, if you believe God's really, really good and he's really, really good to you, instead of running from him when you do wrong, you'll run to him and receive forgiveness. Instead of running away from him when things happen, you'll run to him and get help. Instead of believing he only wants to handle the big things and he won't handle the little things, you'll be able to go to him and go, Father, here I am and this little thing to go through this airport, but I hate it Would you help me. And he will because he's good. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll take this up next week, but let me, let me, just, let me throw this thought out. A shepherd takes care of sheep.
A shepherd does not hurt his sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. He didn't say, I take the life of my sheep. I was, uh, I've got to share this. I'm probably going to share it again. It, it really came as a revelation. I have a, a little dog. It, it's not a masculine dog. <laughs> I don't walk him in the neighborhood. <clears throat> you, just, you just feel the testosterone drain out of your body when you walk that dog <laughs> in, in the neighborhood. I, we, it's a poodle that we got for my, uh, my daughter when she didn't have a boyfriend. I know you've never done anything like that, so indulge me just for a moment. So we got, we got her this little poodle, and then in, in a couple of years she left, and the poodle stayed. And now she has a husband and two kids and doesn't want the poodle. The poodle is mine. The poodle is smart enough to love me. And every morning we get up, we have a routine. He gets up, and I pet him and scratch him, and he rubs up against and then he'll follow me. Now I, I go upstairs, and, and I've got a quiet place, I'm in a rocking chair, and the little poodle will jump up in my lap. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And I scratch him, and, and he does it for a little bit, and then he jumps down. He's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm done. He was sitting in my lap, and, and I thought, you know, I love this little dog. I mean, well, I really like, I don't love him. Not like I love joy, I like the dog. <laughs> and I wouldn't do anything to hurt this dog. How many of you have animals? A lot of you. How many of you know you treat your animals right? If I, t if I came in here and told you, you know what, my little dog, I'm telling you what, he got out, he ran out in the yard, almost got hit by a car. When he came back, I broke his leg. <laughs> just snapped it just like that. If you're honest, how many of you would be like, bless God, I'm never coming back to that church. <laughs> that guy's a nutcase. He broke his dog's leg. Little dog never did anything. Man, y'all be right. There'd be a mass exodus. Y'all be, why? Because that is cruel. If I told you, yeah, he ate, he jumped up on the table and ate some of the Thanksgiving turkey. So I gave him a little bit of rat poisoning just to make him... So he won't do that again. You would think, you are a sick guy. You are sick. And yet, why do we ascribe the same things to God? Why do we think that God breaks the legs and makes little children sick? It's a lie of the enemy. Amen. Because God is good. Amen. And he's the good shepherd. And he leads us in green pastures, not sparse, dry, we can't eat pastures. Green pastures. Still waters. Sheep won't eat when the water's drink when the water's turbulent. Sheep only drink when the water's still. And a good shepherd leads them to where the waters are still. He restores our soul. Now, I, listen, there's a myth out there that said ancient Israeli shepherds, if they had a rogue sheep, would break his leg so he wouldn't run off again. It's a myth. It's not true. It's not scriptural. Because, in fact, 
People who write about that say that doesn't even make sense. Sheep can weigh up to 75 pounds. You break his leg, you're carrying a sheep around. What if you have like four or five-year-old sheep? How are you going to carry those? Now they're, now they're susceptible. Now you can't go anywhere. It's a myth. God doesn't break legs. God doesn't put cancer on people. God doesn't make people sick. God doesn't heal. didn't make your baby sick. He does heal. He doesn't make your baby sick. If you wouldn't do that to your dog, how much more better is God than you or me are? Right? The Lord is a good shepherd. And we need a good image of our God. And when all hell breaks loose, I'm not looking at God going, why God? I'm looking at the enemy going, there's an enemy. I have an enemy because you said you've come that I might have life and have it more abundantly. And if I resist the devil, he will flee from me. If I submit myself to you, I'm, I'm looking for the enemy and it's not God. Because he's a good shepherd. Now, let me just, if that's just going crosswise against your tradition or what you've been taught, I want you to examine the scriptures. And I especially want you to look at Jesus. Wherever Jesus said, he told his disciples, guys, if you've seen me, You've seen what? You've seen the Father. Did Jesus ever make anybody sick? No. Did he ever break the leg of a crazy disciple? No. Did he ever bust Peter in the mouth for saying stupid things? No. He healed. He provided. He brought life. He, everywhere, he was the answer everywhere he went. He was never the problem. When there's a problem, don't look up. Look around and say, Father, I know this is not you. You're good. Right. When my wife was diagnosed with acute chronic pancreatitis, I thank God that someone had taught me scriptures that I knew it wasn't God that put that on her, but it was God that healed her, and she's healed today. And we're thrilled at that. If this goes against the grain of how you've been taught or what, what you believe, let me just encourage you. Take that 23rd Psalm and just meditate on it. It's the inspired word of God. Because you have a shepherd who's good and he'll be good to you. In fact, the Bible said he restores our soul. He doesn't torment our soul. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? This evening, if you're here with me or maybe you're watching online and you say, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord, I'm not sure. Or you're, you're saying to yourself, you know, I used, to, I used to walk with God. I used to have a relationship with God, and I've gotten away from Him. And in your heart, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be this way. I, I want to connect with Him. I want to have that relationship with Him again, or I, I want to connect with Him for the very first time. I need somebody who will be good to me in my life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you to stand up or come down to the front. But if that's you I'm talking to, right now your heart's beating. You're thinking, oh, He's talking to me, yeah. It's actually the Lord talking to you. That's you. You say, Alan, I, I want that relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just across this auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for your honesty and your courage. Thank you. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're kicking yourself right now because you didn't lift your hand. No, it's your heart that God's most concerned about. Hands are good. It's an acknowledgement. But you can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, you're by yourself. Pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But pray this prayer with us. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. 
Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, if heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Father's hands have gone up and prayers have gone up. Thank you that you heard them. And for those who believed and confessed you as their Lord and Savior, they've stepped out of spiritual darkness and right into the light. We rejoice with them. And Father, many have come home. They've come back. And you've forgiven them and restored them. And Father, their future with you still looks bright. So we thank you for that. We rejoice with them. And we rejoice during this season as we remember the love you have for us. The fact that you would send Jesus to die for us. What a difference maker that is. Now and throughout eternity. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.